Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and thank you for joining us today for Live Dharma Sunday. Please note that if you have called in to listen to today's broadcast, that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you're listening from any of our Bright Dawn sites, note that it is not necessary to call in. You may have to wait a second or two for the loading and buffering process to complete, but if there is still no audio, please refresh your page. For more information about Bright Dawn and its activities and links to our social media sites, please visit brightdawn.org. Once again, thank you for listening to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the talk. everyone to a live Dharma Sunday on November 1st, 2020. Koyo here. So very, very glad you joined us beginning in November now. Yes. You know, t- today it so happens that right after our bro- uh, this broadcast, Adrian and I will be hitting the road uh, driving from Central California, it's about a three-hour drive north to San Luis Obispo, uh, where I'll be participating in a memorial service for for a relative. Um, it's uh, Adrian's niece's husband. Uh, they're both in their fifties. Uh, they have three daughters. Um, I think the youngest is in high school and the oldest one is graduated from college. We visited the, their place many times and their daughters have come up to our place. And of course the family gatherings, uh, were, we were all together. And a few months ago, uh, the husband fell downstairs and had a, hit his head and was unconscious and um, he was in the hospital for so many months and uh, and finally the family let him go and uh, it's been about maybe so many weeks now but the family is going to have a memorial service today um, in San Luis Obispo, um, in outdoor service. And, uh, they were both, uh, physicians and, uh, they have a lot of friends, clients, patients. And so they're going to have a celebration of life service. Uh, I'm going to do some readings at this service and uh, 
I'm not sure that uh, uh, some of our Dharma friends have heard these readings because they're only done on certain occasion, uh, funerals and memorial services. Uh, but there's a lot of teachings in them, so I want to share them with you today. The first one is called The Teaching of the White Ashes, and it's a translation of a uh, uh, passage that was written by Ren Yoshonin uh, in the Shin Buddhist tradition. He was a 16th century Japanese Buddhist priest. And this is a translation. Teaching of the White Ashes. In silently contemplating the transient nature of human existence. Nothing is more fragile and fleeting in this world than human life. Life swiftly passes. And who among us can maintain his form for even several hundred years? Whether I go before others whether others go before me, whether it be today or whether it be tomorrow, who is to know? Those who lead before us are as countless as the drops of dew. Though in the morning we may have radiant health, in the evening we may be white ashes. When the winds of impermanence blow, our eyes are closed forever, and when the last breath leaves us, our face loses its color. Though loved ones gather and lament, it is of no avail. The body vanishes from this world with the smoke of cremation, leaving only the white ashes. There is nothing more real than this truth in life. The fragile nature of human existence underlies both the young and the old. Therefore, we must, one and all, awaken to the ultimate source of life. By understanding the reality of death, we shall come to fully appreciate the meaning of this life, which is unrepeatable and thus to be treasured. By virtue of true wisdom and compassion, may we realize the unexcelled value of our human existence. May we keep the teachings of love and gratitude in our hearts, and may we live a true life of oneness. Uh, This passage is one that I wrote some years ago. It's titled A Meditation Upon the Loss of a Loved One. Though our loved one is no longer with us in body, he is with us in spirit always. He has gone into the spiritual world of oneness. And into that oneness, all his loved ones will join him in the future. No one is ever alone. Like currents in time, lives flow together and cannot be separated from one another. You cannot see one life without seeing the influence of many other lives. This is the oneness of life. It underlies all individual lives. To lose a loved one is the saddest thing in life. Our response to sorrow is to cultivate wisdom. And may the seeds of wisdom, watered by our tears, blossom into compassion. Only the eye of understanding can see into the heart of caring. Thus, we go beyond our individual sorrow and find comfort amidst our tears. 
The last reading is some selected passages from the Dhammapada uh, Sutra, Saints of the Buddha. The good things of this world pass away, but the treasures earned through living a a sincere life are imperishable and never pass away. Whoever is compassionate is everywhere beloved. By the kind and good, he is prized as a friend. At death, his heart is full of peace. When a traveler at last comes home from a long trip, with what gladness do family and friends receive him? So shall good deeds welcome him like friends as he completes life's full journey. Like a true master, he now possesses nothing in the past, present, or future. He has moved beyond time. He knows the mystery of both life and death. Nothing of humans or deities can hold him. Nothing in all creation can hold him. Going beyond the darkest sorrows and highest joys, he has done all that had to be done, and now he is one. Let us listen to the teachings and live with love, even among those who hate, with contentment, even among the greedy. We too shall pass away. Knowing this, how can we quarrel? Upon hearing the truth, the wise become serene like a deep, tranquil lake. Happiness or sorrow, whatever befalls you, walk on with the teachings. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I want to introduce our guest to give us a Dharma glimpse today, Paul Toyo. Uh, he used to live in, uh, Saint, in Missouri, St. Louis area. He was an educator, tired. They moved to Charlottesville, Virginia, he and his wife. And he was one of our early uh, lay minister students and part of our LM2 group. So let us hear from Paul Toyo. Just a minute. Just a minute. My screen. My screen went bad. I got to get back onto the studio page of my thing here. Just a minute, please. He had pre-recorded his message, and it was uploaded to the studio of our server here. And I've gotten it back, and here is... My Dharma glimpse for today is called Living with Birds and Other Critters. Wildlife in central Virginia is certainly different from what I knew in Wisconsin, Missouri, or Texas, three other states in which I've lived. The birds offer pretty much standard fare in all these places. Cardinals, robins, finches, blue jays, red-winged blackbirds. There are some new ones here for me, all East Coast residents. Carolina wrens, brown creepers, brown thrashers, and others. Living as we do close to the Blue Ridge Mountains and connecting woodlands, we've also had numerous four-legged visitors to our yard. A little black bear, who we photographed through the patio door, looking sort of sheepish that he just annihilated our bird feeder before he left. Any number of white-tailed deer and their offspring a raccoon who'd managed to defeat my meager defenses to busily munch my bird seed 
the occasional fox who dashes past around sunset, a parliament of owls stopping by for lunch on mice, a large coyote has been reported by neighbors, a likely suspect in the disappearance of outside cats and small dogs. These animal encounters are metaphors, of course, for the lessons of life as it is. When the population is overabundant, things have a way of returning to balance. Many mice and ground squirrels attract predators, leveling the competition for food. When the population is thin, more babies are born. We observe this ebb and flow playing out on the bird feeder as bigger, noisy birds edge out the little guys. Also, when we're in the woods along hiking trails where we see vines sneaking up around trees, pretty for a while, but eventually choking them. And also where branches and limbs sometimes fall, sometimes onto the ground, but regularly on top of smaller young trees or shrubs in the understory, eventually inhibiting the direction of their growth and possibly, possibly contributing to their untimely death for lack of light and space. But then it's all a day in the life, completely normal. But my question is, should I intervene and knock down these dead branches? Should I shoo away the aggressor birds? How can I act on the bodhisattva vows? Can I just speak nice words or shall I take noble action? If you don't know the bodhisattva vow, here it is. Beings are numberless. I vow to save them. Desires are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to become it. These vows are very clearly stated, but pretty much impossible to enact, especially given the criterion numberless. And then here's a quote from Robert Aitken Roshi. Of Olikidishvara, the incarnation of mercy and compassion, weeps because she cannot save all beings. Nobody fulfills these great vows for all, but we vow to fulfill them as best we can. They are our practice. And another quote from a Zen teacher, Taitaku Patphelan, when we take these vows, an intention is created, the seed of an effort to follow through. Because these vows are so vast, they are, in a sense, undefinable. We continually define and redefine them as we renew our intention to fulfill them. If you have a well-defined task with a beginning, a middle, and an end, you can estimate or measure the effort needed. But the bodhisattva vows are immeasurable. The intention we arouse, the effort we cultivate when we call forth these vows, extends us beyond the limits of our personal identities. So in closing, we simply watch life unfold in our yard and on our forest walks. We honor and treasure each sentient being on its particular path and hope they, in turn, honor and treasure ours as well. May it be so. May it be so indeed. Uh, what a down-to-earth <laughs> words of teachings, the reality, the dharma of life. And many of us who do live, even if you live in the city, you know, most of us have a backyard or we go to a nearby park and we see nature 
in some fashion. Uh, and if we observe, we see the realities, the cycles, the happenings of life. And indeed, uh, nature is a great teacher. Uh, some of the things that was mentioned in the glimpse right away i could i could identify them uh as we look out our back patio area we have bird feeders and and that attracts birds and squirrels um different rodents chipmunks uh and there is a balance if 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 too many critters are around rodent type critters, then the foxes and bobcats and coyotes will say, "Oh, you know, hey, here you know <laughs> here's here's dinner calling us and um." So when things get seem to get out of balance, you just wait a little while. And there's too many rabbits around. They won't stay that way. Okay. Um, and this kind of a balance is uh, you know, it's the suchness of life. And it's beyond personification or anthropomorph and um, making it seem like uh, there's something uh, purposive or intention behind it as opposed to a natural process of nature. And it behooves us because sometimes we say, you know, uh, as human beings, we of course, we, we're we on top of the evolutionary tree there when we see that diagram. And the only reason we're on top is because we made it. We made that diagram. If uh, some other animal made it, maybe the ones with the keenest nose and smell or some other attribute, they would be on top. Okay. Uh, but as human beings, you know, we think we're special and maybe we are special in the sense of having a large brain and having some self-consciousness and so forth. Okay. But that doesn't make us any better than, or, you know, superior to other animals. Okay. Sometimes we forget we're animals. Okay. We may be, we may think we're on top of the heap, but we're still part of the heap. (laughs) And, but to be able to identify that we are all together linked as living beings and that we share uh, a, a lot of these basic uh, biological processes and uh, we were, we are in a, in a cycle too and ever, you know, there's a saying of matters neither created nor destroyed, and 
it's always a constant cycle and and of course the one of the basic teachings that the Buddha thought was of constant change and interdependency. Bam, right there. Huh? Interdependency, impermanence, the two eyes that are that we look and we look out and see the world, see the truths and realities of life. Um, nature, nature, all around us, every day, it would behoove us to just observe, just observe with no agenda, and we will receive a lot. Thank you. That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep going. And you have a wonderful day. Thank you.